Hello and welcome to the Bob Edwards Show for Monday, October 6th. The hit tunes of the 1950s and early 60s were sung by groups, the Coasters, the Drifters, the Chiffons, the Shirelles, and many more. And the story of the people who wrote those songs can be found in an excellent book titled Always Magic in the Air, The Bomp and Brilliance of the Brill Building Era. We think of these songs now as standards, but when you talk to the the songwriters at the time, they did not believe their music was going to last. A standard was My Funny Valentine, uh, A Witch Bothered and Bewildered. Their songs were going to go as soon, it were as fugitive and as fleeting as peach fuzz, you know, on a, on, a, on a 15-year-old boy's lip. The author of that book, Ken Emerson, is my guest today. But first we'll go even further back, deep into the American songbook. Song is the most beloved of the arts. People speak of my song or our song with a possessiveness they never feel for a painting or a novel. Yet just as we possess songs, they also possess us. Hearing a song evokes a time, a place, another person, an image of ourselves. It is little wonder that it stirs our curiosity. What inspired it? What does it say and how does it say it? In music and in words. We have tried to answer these questions by telling the stories behind many of the great songs of Broadway, Hollywood, and Tin Pan Alley. Phil Furia is a music scholar, too, and he wrote about the stories behind the songs of Broadway, Hollywood, and Tin Pan Alley. These are the songs from your granddaddy's day, but you've heard them, too. These are the standards, rediscovered and re-recorded by the likes of Willie Nelson, Linda Ronstadt, Carly Simon, and Rod Stewart. And those stories are contained in America's Songs, Furia's book co-written with Michael Lasser. When I asked Furia why these tunes were so popular, so distinctly American, and so enduring, he pointed to a small group of brilliant composers who knew what the public wanted and had the skills to deliver. I like to think, in a way, they were, they were writing for each other, too. They were all friends. Uh, they were not terribly competitive. They would meet at each other's house to play poker, shoot pool, but always there was a piano, and then demonstrate their songs for each other. So at one level, I think... The songs are so good because, boy, if, if you've just written a song and Cole Porter's sitting in the room and Jerome Kern's there and Ira Gershwin's there, you're not going to have any bad chords or, or bad rhymes. So I think in, at some level they were writing for each other, but because they shared that, that democratic populism, they were listening not only for, for artistic quality as fellow professionals, but they were listening for something that could be grasped immediately by the ordinary person on first hearing. Gee, they all did that together. I mean, how could you avoid not stealing from someone even inadvertently?